Have you ever had a day where you get home at the end of the day and you just are exhausted? And some of you are thinking, yeah, that's every single day. Uh, But some days you just feel exhausted physically, exhausted emotionally, exhausted mentally. I had one of those days not too long ago. Nothing bad happened that day. It was just a busy day. I got home and I was just tired. I was exhausted. I was done. Um, But if you have a spouse and kids, you know that it does not work like that, just being done once you get home, even though you're tired. So my wife and I, we prepared dinner for us and our two boys. Once we were done eating, I made my way to the couch and I just kind of plopped down there. Um, My wife and I, we began watching something on TV while our our youngest son, JJ, played on the floor near us. And our our oldest son, David, he he shouted and smiled at his tablet while he, he played some game. At one point, I remember looking around the room and and just smiling. Even though I I had had a long day, this was a special moment. All of us in the same room, just being together. And and suddenly, I I didn't feel exhausted anymore. As my wife and I watched some trashy reality TV show together, and my boys laughed and played, I, I felt happy truly happy. And I remember thinking to myself, this, this is my happy place. All of us together, no matter what we're doing, that's my happy place. Have you been there? Do you have happy places and and some of your most important relationships? Those happy places, those relationships, they can turn your worst day into the best day. When I think about this story, though, it's funny to me because I realize that my wife and I, we love watching those reality romance shows because we love to see the drama on the TV, 90 Day Fiance, uh, Love is Blind, Married at First Sight, you name it, we will binge it. Um, Those shows, they're full of conflict and drama. You cannot stop watching it. It's like a car crash. You just cannot look away. But drama in my own life? No, thank you. I want nothing to do with drama or conflict in my own life. I do everything I can to avoid it. I do my best to make sure that my happy place is drama-free. But that's not always possible, is it? Sometimes our relationships, though they can be our happy place, they can quickly turn into a painful place. One minute, everything is fine and normal. And then before you know it, conflict is bursting through the walls of your relationship like the Kool-Aid man. Conflict crashes in and changes everything. And this conflict, it's it's not necessarily an issue that's going to cause separation or that's going to completely break the relationship, but it can certainly put a strain on it. it. It can drain the happy right out of it disagreements and arguments, drama coming out of nowhere that makes you feel like your life has suddenly turned into a reality TV show. But as the conflict rises, so does our anger, so does our anxiety, so does our frustration. And our initial response is to fight fire with fire. Oh, you want to argue? I can do that. You want to disagree? I can do that all day long. Just try me. The hurtful words, they begin to come out of our mouths and there is no taking them back. We used to be on the same side, but now because of this conflict, it seems like we're in opposing positions, almost like we're enemies divided by this conflict. 
Both sides refusing to budge because both sides think that they are right. A position, honestly, that no one wants to be in, in a relationship. Suddenly our happy place isn't so happy anymore and we begin to worry that it will never be that happy place again. As we read the gospels in the Bible, something that is highlighted in all of them is Jesus's relationship with the disciples. The disciples, they left everything to follow Jesus. They were together for three years following Jesus, learning from Jesus, witnessing Jesus do miracle after miracle. Now I'm sure they grew close during those three years. They became like a a family, helping one another, encouraging one another, loving one another. I'm sure it became a happy place for them. I'm sure traveling together, experiencing what they experienced together, it created this incredible bond between them, a little family formed around Jesus. One of the last things that little family would experience with Jesus was a meal together. They all gathered in a room that Jesus had instructed two of his disciples to prepare As they sat to have this meal, you can imagine the disciples enjoying their time, talking, smiling, eating together. Their happy place, just secure and comfortable. Now this, truthfully, it's a very famous scene from the Bible. Now this scene is what's known as the Last Supper. The last meal the disciples and Jesus would have together before Jesus would be arrested, tried, and ultimately crucified on the cross. The disciples, they had no idea what was coming Though Jesus had told them more than a few times, the disciples, they were too focused on this this little family to fully grasp what Jesus was saying. Uh, But Jesus, he, he took a moment during this last supper to give the disciples instructions to follow through for years and years to come. Here's what the Bible says. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. He took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Now this beautiful moment, this beautiful moment where Jesus is declaring to them the sacrifice that he's gonna make for them and for the world. And this is a moment that we still remember today, right? We, we just did it earlier. Remembering through communion, eating the bread, taking the juice, reminding ourselves of what Jesus did for us. Here are this, these disciples, this little family that had formed three years prior to this. They experienced this beautiful moment firsthand with Jesus. But before the taste of wine had even faded from their lips, they began to argue. Their happy place suddenly turns into a a place of argument and disagreement, a place of conflict. They began arguing with each other about who was the greatest among them. They began to disagree about who could take the position, the highest position right next to Jesus, can you hear them? Can you hear them raising their voices against one another? Their little family suddenly being divided around that table. Uh, Each of them taking different positions against one another. Each of them thinking that they are in the right. 
Each of them thinking that they deserve that position right next to Jesus. And no amount of arguing or disagreement was going to change their mind. Their dispute, it persisted amongst themselves. The shouting, the insults, they embraced that conflict as it crashed through the walls of that upper room. Every single one of them thinking that they were in the right, refusing to budge from the position they had taken. Conflict, it had invaded their happy place. And they were too busy trying their hardest to win the arguments to realize the damage that could be caused as a result. And then suddenly the whole room goes quiet. The arguments end. Their voices go faint and silent as their eyes are shifted to Jesus. Jesus, he stands up from the table. He's now standing above them. And they just kind of stare at him, wondering what he's going to do next, wondering what he's going to say. One of the happiest places I've ever experienced in my life was the time I spent living in Puerto Rico. Uh, I talk about it often in my sermons because it's, it's, uh, it's a monumental time in my life. I loved every bit of it. I loved the warm climate. I loved the people and the culture. I loved living in the city of San Juan. I loved living 10 minutes from the beach. Can I get an amen? But most of all, I loved my job. I loved being a teacher at Christian Day School. And that school, it became my happy place. I'd get there super early in the mornings and I wouldn't leave until 6.30 p.m. or 7 sometimes. I loved it. I loved the kids with all my heart and I loved getting to teach them every single day. I also loved my coworkers. Teachers have this special bond together at schools. You, you become a little family together. You, you help one another. You confide in one another. You vent to one another. So I was very thankful for the strong relationships that I had with the teachers at the school. I also had a great relationship with, with the leadership there. There were three main leaders uh, of the staff there, the, the principal, the administrator, the pastor, and I was close to all three of them. I viewed all of them as my family as well. There was one day, though, I can remember it like it was yesterday. I can close my eyes and I'm transported there. It was my free period. I was called to the principal's office, which, you know, didn't worry me. Sometimes she just wanted my opinion or, or wanted me to, wanted to ask me something. So I, I entered the principal's office smiling, ready to greet her. But I was met with four serious looking faces. The principal, the administrator, the pastor, they were all there as well as one of my fellow teachers. I sat down in the chair. Uh, my anxiety began to climb into my brain my, my stomach began to twist into knots. It, it all involved painting the chapel. The chapel was a space in the school that I was in charge of because I was the Bible teacher. The teacher had approached me and um, gave me the idea of painting the chapel and that her students wanted to help. And uh, I said I, I had no problem with it, but before anything could happen, it needed to be approved by leadership. I was told that permission had been granted. So I gave my blessing for her and her students to paint it however they wanted. Paint was purchased. They started to paint, but come to find out leadership had never been informed about it. So there I sat dragged into this conflict that I wanted no part of. A conflict invading my happy place. The, the last thing I wanted 
was to be in trouble. And I had so much respect for those three people in leadership. I did not want this to damage our relationship. I sat there staring blankly as the teacher and them all argued. They, They argued in Spanish. They argued in English sometimes so I could hear. But no matter what language they spoke, the anger and the tension was translated through the tones of their voice. It was like the worst reality TV show, drama TV invading my life. That was not the worst part though. Eventually the teacher, she leans forward, she looks right at me and she says, this is all your fault. She begins to throw me under the bus saying that I should have been the one to seek permission and that it was all my fault. I felt sad. I I was hurt. This was my coworker, my friend, my family. Now all of a sudden it seems like she's not on my side. She's taken a position against me. I sat there and I took it and all I could do was just shrug and say, I'm sorry. I, I didn't know. I just stared at the ground at that point, not knowing what was going to happen, not used to being in such a conflicted situation. Eventually, the leadership told the teacher that she could go. She, she gets up, she leaves the room and closes the door behind her. And I, I just continued to stare at the ground. I just kept thinking, I wish I was someplace else. I could feel the eyes of the leadership on me. I was scared to look up. I was scared for my happy place to become a painful place. But eventually, I took a deep breath and I exhaled and I looked up. Have you ever find yourself in a similar circumstance where you want nothing to do with the drama, nothing to do with the conflict, but here it comes crashing into your walls of your relationships, even relationships that you hold dear, even your happy place, anxiety levels through the roof of your brain, your stomach twisted in knots. Whether we find ourselves in the room, in a room like the disciples or, or in the principal's office like me. We have a choice. We don't always choose conflict for our relationships and we certainly can't always control the conflict, but we can choose how we respond to the conflict. We do have control of our actions as that drama invades our lives. As someone takes a position against us, what position can we take to resolve the conflict, having no desire to fight fire with fire, no desire to argue or even flame or even fan the flames of the fire. What, what position can we take to ease that tension? Uh, the truth is there, there's a resource that is full of instructions and advice for us to utilize in our lives and our relationships, a resource written in love to aid us with living healthy and supportive lives together. And that resource, it is God's word. It is the Bible. Things from God that reveal himself and his nature to us. Scripture breathed from God to aid us in this journey that we call life to aid us in all of our relationships. Scripture that gives us insight to what position we should take when conflict and drama arise in our relationships. Scripture that will aid us in standing firm in a position loyal to God's wants and desires for our lives, a position that will glorify God in our actions, in our words. I think we can all agree uh, when we experience conflict in relationships, it's tempting to take a position of defiance. 
Because of the anger, the hurt, we step into resistance. It can often lead us to want to react right away, to get our point across as quickly as possible. And this will often lead us to saying things that we don't mean, arguments fueled with words intended to hurt because of the anger rising up because of our defiance. You get so focused on winning the argument that you don't realize the damage that you can cause with the words you say. Knowing this, sometimes the best thing to do in a conflict with someone you love is just listen. And hear what they have to say, hear why they're mad. And sometimes the best way to deal with the conflict is not reacting right away. If you truly love this person, you're not seeking to hurt them but you're looking for the best way possible to respond to this conflict that they are bringing into your life. Sometimes the best way to respond is patience. While in conflict with someone else, by taking a position of patience, you give yourself the ability to respond with grace. Not being defiant and reacting with resistance, but responding with grace through a position of patience. Here's what Paul writes in Ephesians, be completely humble. And gentle, be patient, bearing with one another and love. Humble, gentle, patient, endure with that person you love. And this is the opposite of defiance. You bear with them and you don't fan the flames of their anger. When we choose patience, we begin having conversations instead of arguments. So sometimes to help resolve conflict in our relationships, we must take a position of patience. Another thing we know about conflict with someone we love is the increased level of stress it can cause. Uh, the stress can lead to agitation and frustration, uh, things that will ultimately lead you to holding some form of bitterness in that relationship. Once that conflict begins to breed bitterness into your relationship, the fire that has been flamed, it begins to grow and grow even more intense. And if you truly love this person, you are not seeking to become bitter towards them. You're not seeking to create more conflict or agitation. Instead, you should be seeking to remove stress from the situation. Some, sometimes the best way to respond is by simply being peaceful. While in conflict with someone else, by taking a position of peace, you give yourself the ability to respond with grace, not increasing the agitation or frustration, but responding with grace through a position of peace. Here's what it says in the book of Hebrews. Try your best to live in peace with everyone. Try hard to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Be sure that no one misses out on God's grace. See to it that a bitter plant doesn't grow up. If it does, it will cause trouble. As Christ followers, one of our goals should always be to give people a glimpse of Jesus in everything we do and everything we say, even in the midst of conflict. And the word holy, it means to be set apart. It means to be devoted to. When we choose a position of peace and conflict, it sets us apart from the conflict, declaring our desire to be closer to God instead of the bitterness that the conflict could cause. And through that peace, the person who has taken a position against us, they will see a glimpse of Jesus in us. It's definitely not something that's easy to do in the moment, right? But when we do choose peace, we are ultimately choosing to uproot that plant of bitterness. And we are choosing not to allow that bitterness to grow in our relationship. 
So sometimes to help resolve a conflict in our relationship, we must take a position of peace. Often when conflict invades our relationships, there's an increased level of negativity. As opposite positions are taken, it seems like the goal can become to tear one another down. Because of the conflict, you might feel the need to deflect, to belittle the person that has introduced the conflict into your relationship. If you truly love this person, though, you don't want to tear them down. You don't want the negativity to cause you to say things that would make that person feel diminished. Uh, That would just lead to more negativity. That would just lead to more conflict. And then the walls of that relationship, they truly begin to crumble. While in conflict with someone else, by taking a position of positivity, you give yourself the ability to respond with grace. With positivity, you begin to build back up what has been breaking because of that conflict. Again, here's what Paul writes in Ephesians. Don't let any evil talk come out of your mouths. Say only what will help to build others up and meet their needs. Then what you say will help those who listen. Even when we're in conflict, we can choose to build someone up, not tear them down. Allowing the negativity to come out of our mouths will only damage the relationship more. But choosing positivity will help in restoring what has been breaking down as a result of that conflict. So sometimes to help resolve a conflict in our relationships, we must take a position of positivity. The disciples, they sat quietly up in that upper room, maybe part of them terrified as as Jesus stood up from the table. Their eyes were glued to him, wondering what he would do, wondering what he would say. In the midst of this conflict that had come crashing through the walls of that upper room, the conflict that had invaded that happy place for the disciples, how would Jesus respond? Would he yell? Would he express his disappointment? Would he join in on the argument, proclaiming that he is actually the greatest? And he has some pretty good arguments for that, doesn't he? The disciples, they watched as Jesus moved away from the table anxiously waiting to see what he would do next. They, they waited to see what position Jesus would take. Here's what the Bible says. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothes. He wrapped a towel, towel around his waist. After that, he, he poured water into a large bowl. Then he began to wash his disciples' feet. He dried them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus, he began to to make his way around the table, washing the feet of his disciples, this, this little family. The disciples, they were shocked. This was not something Jesus should be doing. Washing someone's feet at that time, that was the work for the lowliest of servants. And here was the Messiah, the light of the world, the son of God, bowing down in service to wash their feet. In the midst of conflict with arguments and disagreements, Filling the room, Jesus, he did not try to get higher. He got lower. Jesus did not take a position against the disciples. Instead, he took a position of patience, of peace, of positivity. Though the disciples had been arguing and disputing about who should be positioned as the greatest, Jesus showed them what it truly looked like to be the greatest by taking a position as a servant. Jesus showed the disciples grace 
through this act. He was bearing with them in love. He was ridding that room of bitterness and he was building the disciples by serving them. Jesus, he, he took a position of pardon. He was washing away the dirt and the gunk from their feet. He was symbolizing a, a spiritual cleansing. The disciples, they were experiencing this, this full cleansing of salvation from Jesus. Uh, Jesus, he was displaying the very way God washes and cleanses all the mess from our lives. Jesus, he, he was displaying the forgiveness of sins. Here's what Jesus then says. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Jesus is saying that sometimes we need to take that same position. We need to humble ourselves even in the midst of conflict. We can lower ourselves and offer pardon. We can offer forgiveness. We can choose to serve even in conflict. Taking a position of pardon can aid us in washing away all the gunk and all the mess that has built up in our relationship because of that conflict or that disagreement. If you truly love someone, you don't want that relationship to suffer, nor do you want to hold that conflict over their heads in the future. Holding a grudge against someone in a relationship, that is ultimately going to lead to more conflict. So as we take a position of pardon, we are letting go of the bitterness, letting go of the anger. We are letting go of the grudge and we are offering just to move on. Here's what Paul writes in Ephesians. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ, God forgave you. As we offer forgiveness through pardon, this position will ultimately lead to restoring that relationship, restoring our happy place, truthfully making it even stronger as a result. So sometimes to help resolve a conflict in our relationship, we must take a position of pardon. Uh, sitting there in that principal's office, my, my stomach just twisting in knots because of the, the conflict that had come crashing into my happy place. Uh, eventually I, I got the courage to look up and, and look at the faces of, of all the leadership who were in that room staring at me. And as my eyes met theirs, they were all smiling at me. And now I was really confused. They proceeded to tell me I was not in trouble. They, they knew I had no part in it, but they wanted me to be in the room as they confronted her since it did involve me. We continued to talk for a bit. They were able to clarify a lot of things involving the situation. Eventually, I, I leave the room feeling relieved. I was so thankful that I was not in trouble, but I was still sick to my stomach. And my anxiety was still high at the thought of the conflict I, I now had with my fellow teacher. Would things be awkward now? Would we no longer be friends? I, I had no idea what to do. And later that day, a, a message from her pops up on my phone. I, I see her name and I, immediately the anxiety content starts to build and I'm terrified to open it. But I clicked the message and the message simply read, I am so sorry about all of this. And now as I read that message, I, I had a choice. Was I going to choose a position against her and continue to conflict? 
or, or would I choose a position with her, a position of patience, peace, positivity, and pardon? I replied back, it's okay, don't worry about it, everything is fine. And through that position that I chose, through that forgiveness and a desire just to move on from the conflict, God began to wash all of the mess away. And truthfully, it made our relationship that much stronger. The, the, that conflict, though it was unwanted, because of the position I chose, it became something that bonded us. And from that point on, she had my back every single time I needed it. But we get to choose the position we take when conflict invades our relationships. We get to choose how we respond when our lives turn into a reality TV show. It's up to us. We can choose defiance. We can choose bitterness. We can choose negativity. We can choose to hold a grudge in that relationship forever. But when we choose a different position, when we offer patience, peace, positivity, and, and pardon in the face of conflict, we're not taking a position against that person we love, but rather we are taking a position with that person, a position of grace. When we offer a position of grace to resolve the conflict, we are being obedient to what Jesus has instructed us to do. We're being obedient by getting low, by serving, and we can see, clearly see how Jesus takes that position of grace for us. We were in constant, constant conflict with God because of our sins and our mistakes. But Jesus, he took a position of grace in our behalf. He lived a perfect, blameless, sinless life. And then he took a position on the cross. He took the position of all our punishment, all of our shame, all of our regret. Jesus took that position so that we could be pardoned of all of our sin, so that there would be no conflict between God and us anymore. <laughs> because of Jesus, we can have hope in the midst of any conflict that we face. We can have hope because, get this, the position, as they took Jesus down from the cross, his lifeless body, they laid him in a position in that tomb. But the position that they laid him in, that position, it did not last. Because three days later, from that position, Jesus was raised from the dead. By the power of God, he proclaimed power over death. He proclaimed power over darkness. He proclaimed power over conflict. So as conflict crashes into our relationships, as drama seems to just reign free, we can be confident in taking a position of grace in the face of it all. We can be confident that God is at work in those relationships. We can be confident that God was always going to be available to wash away all of that mess. We can have hope because our hope is in Jesus. And he is now positioned at the right hand of God. He is above all authority. He is above all dominion. It all belongs to him. All conflict, all drama, all joy, all compassion, all things have been placed under his feet. So no matter what position is taken against us, we can choose to take the position of grace and we can choose to take that position in the name of Jesus. 
So right now, uh, the band's gonna come out. We're gonna sing one more song. Um, but if you've come today and you're just sitting in that seat and you're just feeling exhausted, you're just tired. I, 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 this whole week, I've been at, in Atlanta, Georgia uh, for a conference. So yesterday morning at 3 a.m., I, I woke up, I drove an hour to the airport and um, I had flight delays. I had uh, shuttle problems. I had all these different problems, but I was doing my best to make it back to preach last night. And I'll tell you what, I, I did make it back. Entering this building though, I was exhausted. I was tired and I kept praying to God, please God, give me the energy that I need. And the moment I stood on this stage, I felt energized thanks to him. But the truth is this standing in front of you, even though today I still feel those remnants of that exhaustion, um, this is my happy place. Being here each weekend with you, whether I'm on stage preaching or, or out there with you guys, this is my happy place because this is where we can gather together in the name of Jesus and receive God's grace together as one, as a little family. We can experience this moment together and we can choose as we leave the doors or if you're watching online, as you close your laptop or turn off your car, I don't know. We can choose to live in that grace in our relationships, even though sometimes it is just exhausting. But we can trust that God is gonna give us the energy that we need so that all of those people that we are in relationship with, they see a glimpse of Jesus. And then they too can choose that grace for themselves. So if you've come today just feeling exhausted or if there's something else going on in your life and you would like prayer today, we will be down here available to pray with you. If, if you've come today and you are just ready to be baptized, the water is ready. We have two baptisms already happening. So if you would like to be baptized, just come forward as we sing this last song. Um, but before we do that, if you would stand with me now, I would love to pray for you before I, I leave this stage. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. Oh my God, we thank you for your grace. God, we thank you that you have taken a position with us. That no matter what we do in our lives, no matter how many mistakes we make, no matter how far we run away sometimes, you are always for us. And we're so thankful for Jesus, for the position that he took for us and for the grace that we receive from him. And so we pray today that we would not leave feeling exhausted, but that we would feel energized because of your love, that we would feel renewed because of your grace. And we could take that love and that grace into our homes, into our communities, so that those that we are in relationship with, those we come into contact with, they would see a glimpse of Jesus. Even in the midst of conflict, God, we are so thankful and we thank you for all that you do, God. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wire podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and follow us on our social media platforms. That way you can stay up to date with what's happening here at Central. And as always, have a great week.